Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, where each week, Dr. Frank Domino, along with his guests, translates today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. Now, broadcasting from the University of Massachusetts Medical School in Worcester, Mass., your host, Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health, and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Martin is a 54-year-old male who has struggled with obesity his entire life. His BMI is 48. He has hypertension, hyperlipidemia, type 2 diabetes, and has already had a cardiac stent placed. He has not been able to complete the requirements for a gastric bypass as he cannot change his diet. He has tried every medication available to lose weight without success. He says, Doc, give up. There's nothing we can do. What can you offer someone who will not change their diet and may die from obesity-related complications? Hi, this is Frank Domino professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health. And joining me today is Susan Feeney, assistant professor and coordinator of the Family Nurse Practitioner Program at the University of Massachusetts Medical School's Graduate School of Nursing. Hi, Susan. Hi, Frank. So Martin's a challenge for me. Yeah. I mean, this is a classic case. I think everybody who works in primary care can say that they've had someone like this. And, And... it's it's just you just feel like you're hitting hitting your head against a wall and and they feel that way. So what do we know? What's what's in the um, out there in the literature that we can offer people to help them uh, with their dietary habits if they're not able to or can't change their dietary habits? Well, he certainly qualifies for a gastric bypass, right. but he's not been able to meet the minimum requirements to have that done. And so you can use medications. You, I've referred him to a dietitian. I've tried a variety of different medicines, and and he just he just is compelled to eat. He's he he he's he's his own worst enemy. Uh, and so my my heart goes out to him, and he knows that this is going to be a problem. He was scared when he had his stent placed. So so Martin's Martin's got a lot of issues. Um, recently, a paper came out, a very small randomized controlled trial where they let people eat whatever they want with two additions. One was they requested that they eat 35 grams of fiber a day. The other is that they would get 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of ideal body weight. That was the only two dietary requirements, was that they add a fairly large amount of fiber and increase their protein intake. And, and after 12 weeks the average person lost around four to five pounds. That's amazing. Um, so is that important? Would you be, um, you know, four to five pounds over 12 weeks? Is that something that we would think is a, is a positive thing? Well, uh, for many people, losing four to five pounds over 12 weeks is probably below what we're looking for right. with regard for weight loss and health conditions. But Martin's been gaining a pound a month for the last 50 years. Right. You know, he's, he's had obesity his whole life, and the challenge for him is changing his diet. This is one of the few weight loss studies I've ever seen where people were told, yep, go ahead, eat whatever you want. You want to have ice cream? Go ahead. You want to drink soda? Go ahead. You want to eat a Twinkie? Go ahead. Um, the only thing we want you to do is dramatically increase the amount of protein and fiber that you take in. Uh, The premise here is that, um, first, uh, 
many things control hunger and the signals that we eat. And we know that there are hormones related to our gut secretion that have a strong influence. We've tried medications to alter those hormones and they haven't helped people lose a great deal of weight. The thinking is that uh, your intestinal microbiome, the bugs that live in your bacteria, are out of balance, that there are more of ones that promote weight gain and not enough of those that promote satiety and weight loss. And one way to influence that is to present those bugs with a much higher fiber, in particular soluble fiber content. Doing so shifts that ratio towards bacteria that are more apt to promote weight loss. Now, did they talk about timing of this fiber? Could it be any time during the day? Did it have to be right before they ate? Well, they they recommended um, that you don't take it all at once. So what's the problem with taking in a large amount of fiber is that can cause abdominal bloating and gas. And so they recommended you space it out during the day. Um, A reasonable approach would be to try to get fiber before meals with a large glass of water because that will also uh, cause some gastric distension and that might send a signal back that says you're full. You know, might increase the satiety sensations right. at an earlier rate. So stretching it out over the course of the day was best. They also strongly recommended that you get that fiber from natural sources. So places like vegetables and fruits right. and nuts. So the um, this sort of reminds me of a study that I had heard about where um, people did similar thing, ate whatever they wanted, but they ate their protein first. And they found that there was a similar type of weight loss. Um, and that's, it sort of goes to this concept of increased protein that it makes people feel fuller and maybe has an impact on the microbiome as well. So the USDA has recommendations with regard to how much protein and how much fiber you should get in day. And it turns out that most Americans don't and that most obese patients do not. So I think this fits, this at least fills that need. Um, Certainly this is more protein than most people are used to eating, whether they're obese or not. And it's probably far more vegetable fiber than the average person uh, eats who is not a vegetarian. Um, But what was interesting, probably the most interesting thing to me with this study was that patients could eat otherwise how they wanted. And there's just, when you have patients with severe obesity, they normally have some form of an eating disorder, and there are very few things that can address that, and this was one of them. Well, the thing that was exciting is what you said, is that without making any changes, even though it might have been something small like you know two and a half kilograms or four pounds over 12 weeks, he wasn't gaining weight. Correct. So this is at least maybe having him maintain as opposed to continually gaining weight. So this is a very exciting... Uh, study, but it was really small. So how can we apply this? Well, um, I actually spoke to the authors of the study because I thought, you know, I, I don't, I'm the evidence-based medicine person, a study with 15 people, and it just doesn't change my behavior. Uh, the first thing they said was, um, this probably won't be replicated with a large population anytime soon, just because the funding here is very limited. Um, That being said, there was no downside, there was no adverse events. So they they said if you want to try it, it wasn't hard. They they included um, bi-weekly counseling sessions where they asked patients, what are you eating and what can we do to get more fiber into your diet? They didn't talk to them about exercise or cutting out carbs or or anything else. They, They tried to spend the time talking to patients about what they were eating and how to incorporate 
more fiber and protein into it. And they said that it's perfectly safe to try. Um, I think I think Martin's an ideal patient. His definitive treatment is not going to be losing four pounds every twelve right. weeks. His his life expectancy will go up if we can get him to lose an adequate amount of weight so that he can get the gastric bypass. Exactly. So um, I, I would say he's a great candidate for this because you've tried everything else. This is totally safe. It doesn't even cost much in the way of money, certainly less than a prescription. And it allows him to still do what he wants to do with very low risk. I will tell you, though, I don't mind recommending these things to most patients who are trying to lose weight as a first approach. Um, I'd rather them um, still have the sense that they can eat what they want, but add these two things in that aren't going to harm them and um, see how they do. Once again, I'd, I'd always rather do something that doesn't require a medication or isn't restrictive right. than something that requires possible drug-drug interactions or leads to um, the patient feeling either hungry all the time or that they're missing out often. Right, and I think it's it's a fairly, like you said, fairly easy thing to do, and it, and the downside is is so minimal, right? You know, and like no expense, so it really is a a good option. And and sometimes the actual act of losing weight, even if it's only four pounds, is such a incentive that it may help to change behavior. Just as you said, Martin, someone who's gained weight every week of his life, and Here's something where he was able to lose weight, not add. So there could even, this may have been a, a, a four or five pound weight loss, but it was probably a seven or eight overall benefit. Correct. Um, one last thought. When you think about uh, fiber, how, what, how do you get more fiber in your diet? Well, high fiber foods are um, something like an apple. An apple with the skin on, it's about four to five grams of fiber. Mm -hmm. So to meet, to meet this one thing to tell people if they can't figure anything else out is eat seven apples a day. You think, oh, seven apples a day, that's an awful lot. Well, yeah, yeah there are other things you can do. Um, other fruits with their skin uh, are pears, also very high. Raspberries and strawberries are very high in, in fiber. Um, kale, the ever-present kale, mm -hmm. is a very high fiber green, but most people don't like it. Peas are almost as high in fiber as kale and much more palatable. Oh, um, I did not know that. Beans and lentils are very, very high in soluble fiber. And again, the, the authors here have looked at the data, looked at the literature, and it's the soluble fiber, the stuff that turns into gel in your intestine, not the stuff that promotes um, catharsis, mm -hmm. but rather increasing bulk of your stool are the things that, that create the weight loss. Okay. So some of the... the, the uh over-the-counter packaged things like, uh, you know, the, the fiber that you, we give people. What yes. was it recommendations on those? So they, they recommend, of course, that you ideally get most right. of your fiber from, from food sources. Um, there are two or three options. Um, the, the packet of stuff that you're talking about is normally psyllium. Psyllium right. seed that's ground up into powder and, and, and taken in with a large glass of water is the ideal fiber that will help promote weight loss. It's the most extensively studied, but it's also the one that's most likely to cause gas. Right. Um, so there is a commercial product by a very well-known fiber supplement uh, population that has a weight loss formulation that does include um, psyllium in it. 
the the next common source is is inulin. Inulin is the root of the chicory plant. It is also all soluble fiber. It is not does not present to the intestine. It breaks down a little bit before it gets there. On the flip side, it causes much less gas and much less discomfort. So those are those are two simple ways. And then there are some cereals that are very high fiber. Um, both soluble and insoluble, and um, you'll have to. We'll have a, a link on the landing page right. of high fiber foods, both vegetables, fruits, and commercial products that you can consider. Great. Well, this is very helpful, and I think most of us can c come up with several patients whom this might be a good option for. Thanks, Frank. Oh, thank you, Susan. Practice pointer for patients who can't change their diet. Adding high fiber, 35 grams a day, and increasing protein, 0.8 grams per kilogram of ideal body weight per day, can help lead to weight loss. Join us next time when we review the current new recommendations on screening for cervical cancer. And for more timely, relevant, and practical medical education, check out primed.com. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. For more information about the article referenced in today's episode, look under the Resources section of the episode landing page. Need help reaching your CME credit goal this year? If so, please browse the more than 300 free CME-accredited activities now available on PrimeMed.com. Thank you again for listening.